So I'm saying that to say please remember them in the coming weeks and months after the funeral's over, after the cards have stopped coming and there's no more flowers and the text messages are more rare. They're still journeying through this thing. And my, one of my big, I don't know, I probably won't put any of this online, but um, one of my big prayers for them is that their memory of Anthony will be the special, the, the person he is, not, the, um, not one big bad choice he made, you know? All right. All right. God didn't do this. God didn't do this, he didn't plan this, he didn't will this, he didn't uh, think this was a good idea, uh, he didn't, um, it, not everything happens for a reason, that's foolishness that people like to say in times like this because we don't know what to say and we're trying to put a positive spin on it, everything happens for a reason, no, no, everything happens by various causes. But God does not cause everything that happens. The reason this hurts so bad is because a destiny was cut short. Days ordained for Anthony aren't happening. Things he's meant to do and become, people he's meant to love and serve, that, that's not, it's not happening and it sucks. And I refuse to say it doesn't suck. I refuse to lie to you. I refuse to accuse God of being evil by saying he plans evil and does evil in the name of good. So let's just get that out of the way. God didn't do this. This isn't the Lord. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Acts 10.38, you guys know about Jesus, who God anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and as a result, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Satan's always a bad guy. Jesus is always the good guy, and Jesus reveals what the Father is like. Let's keep our theology childlike to where Satan is the bad guy, Jesus is the good guy. Love wins. You know what I'm saying? Because when we look for explanations that try to paint the the picture as God has some sort of sovereign plan he's working out, and that's why this happened... It's true to say God has a sovereign plan he's working out. He w- he's already working in the midst of this for good. He's loving, he's healing, he's supporting, he's nurturing, he's redeeming, he's renewing, he's restoring, he's carrying, he's weeping. He's in it, working for the good. He's always, that's how he is. You don't even have to ask him to do that. That's just who he is. What kind of God would need us to pray in order for him to be good? He's already doing this, whether we pray or not. But let's just start real simple. Let's start real childlike. God's always the good guy, the devil's the bad guy, and love wins. Otherwise, we'll start to explain things that Jesus didn't explain. We'll start to use theories to make things seem better when they're not better. Whereas Jesus would either raise Anthony from the dead, now or later, but what he wouldn't do is give a lot of explanations without love in the flesh. And so when we're tempted to try to make it better right away, We're giving answers that God isn't giving. And we end up accidentally misrepresenting him and causing his character to be less trustworthy in people's minds and hearts. Does that make sense? All right, so let's start there. Let's stay real simple. This doesn't change God. This isn't God. But God's in the middle of wherever love is in this picture.
I also feel like I, I, I want to say some things about, um, you know, it's like almost everyone's first thought is, if you kill yourself, are you in hell? Let me ask you this. If you make a bad choice, does that one choice define who you are? And is God dumb enough to be deceived by one choice you make about who you are? Are you tracking? Yes. One thing that I really appreciate is that I, I don't have to know stuff. Like, and, I, and I'm not the judge. And if, if my experience of God is trustworthy, then he's far more merciful and kind. He's far more understanding, forgiving, generous, gracious, persistent than I am. And one thing I can always take deep confidence in is that when I get over the line, like, you know what I mean, like over that line into eternity, I will see God's choices and go, oh man, he's, a, he's really amazing. Everything he does is right. This is kind of a worst case scenario. Um, bless you, buddy. Sort of exploding repeatedly. It's kind of like, like the worst case scenario. I have a hard time imagining something worse, personally. Um, not that I want to try. But we all know the golden rule that treat others how you want to be treated, basically. And if you kind of put yourself as much as you can in, in the Chup family's shoes and anticipate, like, what would, you, what would you wish people were doing when this kind of thing happens? Um, it's, we get so locked in in fear. We're like, we don't want to say the wrong thing, so we don't say anything. We're not sure if they want visitors, so we stay away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where our text feels too insensitive, so we don't send that because it should be at least a phone call. But who wants to make a phone call? They don't want to be on the phone right now. And so at the end of the day, we have all these thoughts and prayers towards them and not much physical presence because we don't want to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, step over the cross, cross the wrong boundary, or use the wrong mode of, mode of communication. Or if we make food, we probably should have prayed. If we prayed, we probably should have shut our mouth and just cried. If we cried, it wasn't enough. We're kind of always second-guessing whether or not we're doing the right thing for someone who's in that level of... Am I right? At least this is how, what I go through. You know? If I open my mouth, I wonder if I should have shut it. If I don't say anything, I, I feel like the word of the Lord could have been a helpful thing. Like You just never know. And because each person grieves differently, like what is really helpful to one person might offend another. And this person over here might be laughing, recounting stories, and this person over here might be so angry. So you just never know what you're going to find. But I really want to encourage us, Gateway, to, to weep with those who mourn. Um, when I walked into that house and I kept asking the Holy Spirit, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? I almost got no Holy Spirit guidance. And that's pretty, if you know me, that's pretty unusual, right? Like it's, it's usually fairly easy for me to, to discern what the Spirit in me is prompting me to do um, when I'm in a healthy place. Let's just be clear about that. And all he kept saying the whole three hours was, weep with those who mourn. Like, be okay not, making, not pretending that this is okay. Like, just cry with them. 
In other, like, think about this. Like, what the Holy Spirit is, what Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And, and Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb and wept. So what does that mean about the Father? What was the Father doing? He was weeping. He was weeping. So I feel like it's like this really, really big deal that I don't mean to be negative about church um, in America. I don't, I don't mean to be. But one thing, I'll just say, so instead of saying it as a complaint, I'll state it as a wish. I wish we were better at lament. Because we're really good at saying the answer. Sunday morning, Jesus, Jesus is risen. This is amazing. God loves me. There's grace. We're not as good at saying the problem. Friday. The weight of sin, separation, isolation, despair, pain, crisis, depression, suicide, divorce, murder, hatred, like loss, being, sinning and being sinned against and all the radical, emotional, and social and spiritual consequences of that. That's actually our human lived reality. And the only reason that we even like to come to church and sing those positive songs, those Sunday songs, the only reason we even like to do that is because we are telling a story that the songs aren't telling. We are bringing Friday, we're bringing all this pain and hurt and questions and insecurity and all this, all this stuff. We're bringing, we're filling in the blanks. We're making the songs better than they are by telling the story they're not telling. Because the songs are candy coating things, but our hearts aren't. And I think it's so important that we learn to let Friday be Friday for long enough. Instead of rushing to the conclusion. Answers that come as the answers to deeply felt problems, those answers are really appreciated. And if we won't learn how to grieve, we won't really be healthy people. We won't have a full gospel. And we won't be able to love people in circumstances like this. Well, I feel like I'm being critical. I don't mean to be critical. What I'm really trying to say is like, weep with those who mourn is a really big deal. And like, Christian cliches, are, are just, I just have a hard time digesting them. Do you know what I mean? Like if a worship song had every verse said, this is hard and I'm not having a good time, and then every chorus was like, but Jesus is amazing, I'd be like, this is my kind of worship. But like if every song is like, we win, this is awesome, I'm so loved, nothing will ever go wrong, woo! I'm like, I don't know, I find a new church, I guess. You know. <laughs> so let's weep with them. Let's not give answers that aren't really what God is saying. If he's weeping, let's not be explaining things. Let's not, there's a time to encourage and it's not right now. You're to encourage the weak, but with those who, who are mourning, you're actually supposed to weep, not encourage. Okay. Telling somebody I'm praying for you, that's really good. Telling them what you're praying is even better. Yeah, I, there's like... I wish there was a Bible verse that said hug deeply, you know, instead of greet one another with a holy kiss because I'm sort of uncomfortable with, with that. But I feel like that's where they're headed with that. Like, there's, an, there's, a, there's something sacred about physical touch. You know, my wife posted some article recently about there are people now who are hiring out their cuddling services. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean that in like a therapeutic way. There are people who are like, for th- they're like therapeutic touch. 
You know, they'll, they'll just, because it's healthy. We humans are made for it. We're designed for it. And a lack of it, you, I mean, you've seen the studies, like the, you know, um, unwanted babies in the orphanages in Russia that were never hugged, never touched, like the crazy psychological damage that does to a person's sense of value and ability to like relate well to the world. So in times like this, like, I don't, you don't, don't underestimate the power, the Holy Spirit power of your hug. Like, you might think that's not enough. You might think I have to say something, you know. Have you ever had someone hug you in the midst of something that's hard and then they ruin it by, like, it's amazing, it's beautiful, and then they ruin it by opening their mouth, like, saying something dumb, and you're like, I'm going to forgive them that and just pretend all they did was hug me, you know. I've probably been that guy who did that, but... Some grief does not have an expiration date. Like some grief, you can take it down 30 years later, open the jar, and it's still fresh. And there's a part of that that's horrible, but there's another part of that that's actually healthy and sweet. It means that the memory of the the value of the person is intact. It means that your heart's affection for the value of what was lost is still there because grief is, a form of enjo- of, is like a form of enjoyment of the thing we lost. Grief is a form of honoring the thing we no longer have. Okay. Can you see what I'm saying like about how this isn't really a sermon? I'm pretty sure we have this well established that Lament is a biblical, sacred thing, right? Celebration is a biblical thing. But lament is a biblical and sacred thing. I love how God takes the Psalms, the book of the Psalms, which is, um, feels bipolar. Um, sometimes it feels hateful. Sometimes it feels self-centered. Sometimes the Psalms feel uh, sinful and carnal, like driven by ego. Vindicate me, I'm right and they're wrong. I have integrity, listen to me. Don't listen to them, they're idiots. You know, uh, and instead of saying, oh, God signs his endorsement at the bottom. He signs his endorsement to statements like, are you even listening, God? When are you going to hear me? How long are you going to ignore me? Is this how it's going to be then? Every day, tears are my food? How long? He endorses that. He says, "Mm, that sounds like faith to me. Well, it sounded like unbelief to me, but it sounded like faith to God. I, I love the Psalms. And the Psalms endorse a kind of non-religious spirituality. You know the kind I'm talking about, where the person in public says what it is as in normal human language. And you're like, he's being awfully honest for church. Doesn't he know what happens when you're honest in church? Yeah, people judge you and the Holy Spirit flows. You ever been through a service where there was just not any, any honesty happening? It's like the machine of religion just saying, it's okay, everything's okay. Wee! Glory, glory, hallelujah, holy. Now go evangelize. I have no gospel to give it yet. You haven't given me a problem to solve. <sighs> grieving is sacred and grieving is healthy, so sow your tears in the good ground of Abba's big, strong bear hug. 
If you don't know how to relate to God as an intimate father who hugs you, a father who's close, uh, this has been a picture that I've been um, holding on to recently. It's that I tend to relate to God as a very distant, huge, uh, powerful God who is loving. Now, I shouldn't say he's distant. Maybe I, I, I better, I'll put it a better way. I'm distant from him. When sometimes when I'm hugging people, I'm stiff. You know what I mean? I'm like, eh, okay, that's enough hugging. Away with thee. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate the sentiment. Now go away. I don't want to touch you anymore. And have you ever cu- hugged a kid that's like that? Maybe a wife? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's me with God a lot of the time. Like I'm too busy trying to be like doing what God wants me to do to be fully able to really... So my son Zion will see me on the couch and he gets a look in his eye like, ooh, dad's available. And he's like a cell phone and I'm a charging station. You know what I mean? And, but through physical touch, it's how he charges. Like, so he can't be on the couch n- next to me. He's got to be right up on me or laying on me. And so if you picture the relationship that God wants with us, it's the, it's the relationship of your head is laying back on his chest and he, you're reading a book yes. for an hour. Yes. There's no self-consciousness. There's no, we're touching. We're touching. How long will this touching go on? <laughs> and I'm not blaming him. Like, it's on my end. But I feel it's very important for us in, this time, like in times like this for us to realize that our availability to him is going to really help the way we grieve. That's right. if, if we can learn to come around and accept who he's revealed himself to be a little better and, and, and like become comfortable on his lap, comfortable in his love, then in times like this, as we weep and we can sow our tears in the good ground of Abba's goodness, I really feel like I don't have answers or explanations to this kind of a thing, but what I have is an, a deep conviction that God is in us. And if we're relating like this, we can relate like that. Amen. We can be a healing presence. I've gone on longer than I wanted to. But don't hold back your love. Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. I'd rather have you tell me I'm dumb to my face than love me and not tell me that. Amen. Yes. Isn't that interesting? You're stupid and I don't like you. I'd like that better than you were praying for me, you cared about me, you respected me, you thought of me. In the middle of the night, in the early afternoon, you were working for days, for weeks. I came to your mind. You cared deeply how I was doing. You never said a word. So don't hold back your love. The chups need us now. And not just the chups, as Tammy said, like the broader community. This affects, this affects us, this affects uh, the GMS community, this affects so many people. Anthony was so well-loved. He was so well-loved. He is so well-loved. All right, I'm going on way too long. Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears. Faith prayed this yesterday when we were weeping. I was like, Faith is on it. Like, I was afraid to say anything, but I heard her weeping with David and, and Lisa and saying... The Holy Spirit is collecting all our tears and saying things like, the devil wants to twist this in our minds, but this is who, like, 
You were preaching. And I was over there going, amen, amen. I don't know what to say, but faith seems to know what to say. But this was the verse. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. He values our tears. We're so precious to him that he counts every tear. And I, I think, you know, it's like they go somewhere. He does something with them. Uh, enough. As we take communion this morning, I, I'm, I just keep thinking, like, we do not serve a God who stayed in heaven. Love is costly. If you open your heart to love, you open your heart to incredible joys you couldn't experience otherwise and the potential of incredible sorrows that you might be able to escape some otherwise. And we don't serve a God who sent an angel to do the heavy lifting. We don't serve a God who sent a servant. We serve a God who saw our hell of sin and death and grief and isolation and despair. And he, he went to hell for us. He came into all that we are and he died to, to, to be with us in the midst of this thing. He is so not as concerned about avoiding pain. He is more concerned about bringing us into fellowship with himself. And this is always meaningful, but I, I, I'm, this is how it's framed for me as I've been praying about it this morning or processing it this, this morning. Is in this meal we have a God who's not going, I'm not getting involved in that, but rather we have a God who says, I'm getting fully involved in this. I'm taking this into myself. And, and it's this kind of grace that I would love if we would then participate with in, in, as a family. I want to address something um, that I don't know how to address. While I was praying, I, I saw some snakes slithering around. And I said, oh dear, yep. The enemy would love to whisper lies into people's minds. And um, if you're someone who has had um, really dark suicidal thoughts uh, that seemed like your own thoughts, they may not have been your own thoughts. They might have been whispers of the enemy. Uh, Not everything that you think is you. Did that make sense? Not every thought that you have in your head comes from you. I'm not going to do a show of hands. Who here has ever you know, contemplated um, taking their life? Uh, I suppose that there would be more hands up than we're comfortable with. Um, but let's pray about that for a while. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for you to crush the serpent's head. You said the God of peace would soon crush Satan. Actually, you said under our feet. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal lies that are whispered. Lies that say your life is not worth living. And we say, no, my life is worth living. Lies that say you're all alone and no one understands. No, that's not true. I'm not alone. God is with me. People care about me. And there's a lot of people on this planet that experience what I'm experiencing. 
In Jesus' name, I ask for you to reveal when these thoughts happen that are not truth and they're not you and they're not even really us. I ask that you would expose them, that we could crush them with your truth. And I pray, God, for just an increase in our sensitivity um, to others. An increase in our sensitivity um, that sometimes when people are going through things, it's not human. Holy Spirit, we release a blessing on our community. We speak life to our community. You came that we would have life and you created us that what is mortal would be swallowed up by life. Life is your plan. Thriving is your, it's in your heartbeat. And you didn't make us to be unhappy. You made us to be filled with love. You made us to be filled with hope. You even made us to experience prevalent happiness we call it joy we ask in Jesus name for you to be breathing for you to be brooding we ask that you would protect the hearts of young people in our community who are grieving right now with this would you protect their hearts father Protect their hearts, Father, that their lives are worth living. In Jesus' name, Father. Um, as we dismiss, I want to open it up for anyone who wants to come up here for prayer. Um, whether you're immediately directly involved in this situation or whether, what, or whether you're not even involved, but just having this kind of environment has sparked your pain or, or touched something in you and you're saying, I, I actually just want, I just, I want prayer. I don't want to just say, ouch, and then like go home. Uh, I want to let this thing kind of come out. You know? I like to say it comes up so it can come out. It's really important to let ourselves grieve, to let this thing flow through us and not get stuck in us and then, it, and then turn into all sorts of things like anger, depression, uh, just low-level grumpiness at everything and everyone. You don't want to do that. Let it flow up and flow through you. So if, if that's you, we're gonna, I'm going to have you stand and I'll give you a benediction, but if that's you, please, please do come forward and, and let's spend some time praying. I, I know this is a strange service, a little bit awkward, but... The Holy Spirit is here, and he's not in any way affected by uh, how the day's going. He's very, very much powerful. Um, all right, let's go ahead and stand for a benediction. Gateway, we bless, I bless you in Jesus' name. May the love of God, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit... Be powerfully with you. May you know God as Abba and may you lay your head against his chest. Relax your muscles and rest in his love. And God's people said, Amen. Love you guys.